welcome back to It's Confidential. I am your host, Rami, and today we're going to be talking about rape, sexual violence, rape culture, popular culture, porn, how they work, you know, kind of work together to create a rape culture and rape myths and that kind of stuff. Um, giving you guys a disclaimer, this is sensitive to some people, so trigger warning, we are going to be talking about sexual violence. If that is something that is difficult for you to listen to, please click off here. Alright, so I wanted to start off by giving a little background as to why I'm discussing a heavy topic on this platform where I haven't really discussed much of anything like this before. Um, I did mention in my last episode, uh, which was the first episode back after a really long break, that I want to kind of shift gears and talk about things that I may be learning in school, some things that I'm really passionate about, some things that are beneficial as general knowledge, just social issues and all that kind of stuff. So I think that this is, you know, this topic is something that is really understudied by, you know, mainstream, I don't know, mainstream, like the, the general public. It was a very specific group of people, typically women or queer people that have vast knowledge and understanding and, you know, have done specific research about this stuff um and i would love to change that um i was i've always felt this deep connection to you know fighting or advocating for women's rights and you know gender equality and stuff like that and just being an advocate as much as i can but it wasn't until this fall of 2020 when i enrolled in the university of windsor's bystander uh program so it's a program that offers two courses as well as uh, workshops that you can attend. And it's all about sexual violence and prevention, how to be a, you know an effective bystander, how to stick up for people. And it really created a passion within me to advocate further for this. And it kind of gave me more tools as to how I can advocate. Um, sorry, I'm just putting on my little time tracker so I know how long I'm talking. Um, you know, it gave me the, a lot of tools that I need to, you know, hopefully one day be able to do some meaningful work within this area. Um, it just kind of inspired me to want to educate people, specifically men. I don't know why I'm just kind of drawn to, you know, teaching men about this kind of stuff because, it, you know, it's kind of widely known like rape is kind of widely known as a, a woman's problem or just kind of assume that it's a woman's problem but you know it's 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 a societal problem it is a problem for everyone if people are being sexually assaulted that's not just the individual's problem that's you know that's a reflection of our society and you know pop culture and rape culture is only strengthened when we don't have you know, resources and knowledge about this kind of stuff. So I really hope to, you know, put some good stuff out there so that people can understand, you know, why it's problematic and why it is a lot worse than people make it out to be. I think that, you know, one of the, one of the common rape myths is that feminist groups or uh, gender studies kind of majors or people who are interested in that kind of stuff um, tend to overemphasize, you know, the issues of rape and sexual assault and violence against women and all that kind of stuff, where that's not, it's not the case. It's not over-exaggerated. There's, it's like, there's crazy numbers. I don't know the exact one, so I don't want to even try and butcher it, but there's a lot 
a big percentage of Canadian women who have experienced sexual assault at one point in their life that will likely experience it. It happens a lot more than you think. And, you know, sexual assault is really, it's, I'm not going to give you guys a definition, but it, it, it kind of lies within how the victim feels to some extent. Um, I'm trying to be careful with how I word things because I don't want to offend anyone or come off wrong, but sexual assault may not be the same to everyone, but it has very many different branches and, you know, things that could be classified as sexual assault. So, you know, it's, it's, it's sad. <laughs> it makes me sad. Uh, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have never personally experienced that. Um, I do know some people who have experienced some sexual violence in their lives breaks my heart um typically it is you know perpetrated by men against women specifically indigenous women within canada uh, black women are also susceptible to this kind of violence as well trans and queer um, people are also non-binary non-binary people are also often at a the higher end of experience rates of sexual violence and abuse in general so I, yeah, okay, I'll move on. Uh, let's talk about, you know, what what I mean by pop culture and why I'm bringing pop culture into the mix. So popular culture, known as pop culture, it encompasses a vast network of different platforms. You know, you guy, you people, sorry, I'm trying to be a little more selective with my words. Not When I say you guys, I don't mean you guys as in male identifying people. I mean you people, a general thing. So, you know, I'm trying to work on that because I feel like some people may not appreciate that kind of language um and if i can censor myself to make everyone com other people comfortable i'll try i try my best um sorry sorry about background noise by the way i have a little puppy and i'm kind of fidgety fidgety today so um you know things like television film social media music music videos especially um sports all kinds of entertainment and porn pornography is a big one too um, you know, part of pop culture. And uh, I'll talk about rape culture, actually. A uh, little half-assed definition for you people. Uh, so a rape culture, I'm going to, I, I think it could best be described as the widespread acceptance, attitudes, um, ideas, expectations, excuse me, social norms, um, and so on that create a culture or society that normalizes rape and you know rape myths and all things that are associated with it so normalizing things like catcalling which you know that falls under the realm of sexual violence and sexual assault you know unwanted touching groping all that kind of stuff so you know normalizing that in movies you know you see a lot you know the the ceo grabbing like the intern's ass or whatever usually it's a man against uh, perpetrating against a woman um, but you know, that it, it does cross over men experience rape and sexual violence and all that as well. Non-binary people experience it. Like I said, queer, trans, LGBTQ plus everyone is a possible victim of sexual violence. Um, however, it's known that typically it's male violence against women. Um, so, you know, some, some examples of, uh, rape culture, rape myths, that kind of stuff. Um, it can be as simple as a group of guys in a movie just talking about women or a woman, whatever. Um, usually it's in it's degrading in nature. Um, it 
tongue tied. Um, you know, usually it's like a comment about their physique or their body, something like that, which it just, or it's talks about what I want to do to her and this and that, that kind of just give like that kind of, um, suggest that you, you know, have the right to just go up to someone and be like, Oh, I'm going to fuck you. You know what I mean? And it gives suggestions that women want that to happen to them and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's not always the case. So, um, sorry, I don't know. I'm kind of like drawing a bit of a blank right now. I have some points jotted down that I definitely want to hit. But if I miss some things, you know, maybe there'll be a second part of this episode. Who knows? Um, other examples are, you know, pretty common, actually. And it, it, it's kind of shitty very shitty um you you know we often hear you know when someone is raped sexually assaulted um you often hear people asking the victim well what were you wearing why would you go out at that hour like why were you alone you shouldn't have left your drink unattended you um you should know better you know that those are all ways of victim blaming re-victimizing the victim who's already experienced something so traumatic that they don't need to experience further you know, ridicule from other people. And ultimately it's, it's, it's not, it's never going to be the victim's problem or fault. Sorry. It's never gonna be the victim's fault that they were targeted and assaulted and, you know, abused. No one asks for that. So stop victim blaming. That shit pisses me off. Um, more examples, um, you know, movies like American Pie, they create the, you know, this toxic culture of over-sexualizing women, making it so that a woman's purpose is only to, you know, please a man sexually. Um, these movies, not specifically American Pie, because, you know, there's lots of different movies, but I feel like American Pie is a really good example of this, because it's like, you know, your college guys, your high school guys, frats, and, you know, sexual violence is really big on campuses. Um, you know, it's really big in college-aged students, and it... it it happens a lot more than you think on campus. And yes, you know, it's a movie. It's meant to be entertaining. It's meant to be funny. It's meant to, you know, represent kind of this maybe fantasy life sometimes. Um, but I think what often people fail to, to recognize is that these movies, these shows, pop culture is really influ influential to people, specifically young minds that, you know, are not developed yet they are you know people are growing up watching this thing and it kind of just it, it makes you think okay that's normal that's you know that's what we do and it it is i guess it is normal because that it happens in real life it's a thing it shouldn't happen but it does um you know this this kind of behavior creates you know the myths that you know all women want to have sex all the time the no means yes or no means keep trying until she says yes you know we see a lot of that um, on campuses, actually, with, you know, frats chanting those stupid slurs. And, you know, it ultimate, ultimately, it boils down to coercive behavior. And, you know, coercion is pretty much like forcing someone to agree to do something that they don't want to do, that they wouldn't have otherwise done if, you know, you weren't nagging or maybe using drugs and alcohol to facilitate it or stuff like that. You know, it's pretty much trying to get consent. By way of force um it doesn't always have to be physical force or a you know abusive in nature like or i guess in a traditional sense force but it's not okay 
Um, you know, when it comes to music videos and uh, music in general, I think it's pretty undeniable that most, if not all, mainstream music talks a lot about sex. And, you know, when you really listen to it, there's a lot of, you know, this whole drug and alcohol facilitated rape promotion that happens within songs. And, um, you know, it's also depicted in music videos, too. And it's, you know, also a lot of over-sexualization of women and stuff like that in music videos. I think that it creates kind of like this false idea, this false... Um, this like unrealistic expectation for young people, uh, both you know are all, all of all identities and genders and stuff like that. You know, like for some people, oh, like it's like oh, I want to look like that. For some people, it's like oh, I want to do that. I want to be that cool person who gets what they want sexually, and they're you know so cool. <laughs> um, not laughing in a funny way, sorry. Um, you know, most notably the, the, the song Blurred Lines by, I believe, Robin Thicke, kind of, you know, Blurred Lines, it's like alcohol, whatever. It That definitely promotes rape culture. It strengthens rape culture. Blame it on the alcohol. Like, oh, I'm just going to blame it on the alcohol. Like, you know what I mean? That, even though maybe not directly, in some scenarios, it, it really does create these ideas in people's heads or and just strengthens the rape culture like i said uh pornography you know it's a tricky one but i think it is important to talk about it when discussing rape culture and myths um because porn is one of those things that a lot of people watch i think um actually i think i have access to oh no i don't have access to it right now it's on my other computer sorry i did a I did some research on it, but I think there was like 86% of college-aid men have been exposed to porn in their lives. Um, I think the, the vast majority of it was prior to the age of 13 or 12 years old, um, and most of them still watch it regularly. Women, uh, the numbers are still pretty high. They're a little bit less for, for women than they are uh, for men, but they're still high. Um, and I think women typically tend to... Be introduced to porn at a later age um, but you know when you're first getting to that age where you begin to become curious about sex um, and you know it's it's fascinating you may not understand it at all a lot of people will google pornhub.com and that's you know a good way not a good way well I don't know it could be a good way it, I'm this is this is me suggesting and I'll give you my reasonings and my points for why I believe that porn consumption can be harmful. It doesn't have to be harmful, but it can be. And I know it's, I'm not asking of anyone to not watch it. I'm just kind of asking people to be more aware with the type of content that they see on porn sites. Um, so, you know, using porn as a way of becoming educated about sex is pretty, you know, it's it, it's less awkward than asking your parents or a friend or someone to the questions that you have because you don't need to ask anyone. You know, it's kind of an uncomfortable topic. Um, and some people are comfortable with talking about it, but a lot of people aren't. So, you know, the issue with using porn as a means of sex education is that, you know, the type of sex that is more often than not depicted in porn isn't necessarily representative of realistic sexual relationships and experiences. It can be, but I think that it's really, you know, overrepresented. Um, sorry, it overrepresents a lot of male domination. You know, it focuses more so on the male pleasure and male orgasm. 
there's a lot of problematic porn themes, you know, like incest, depictions of barely legal or teen or like underaged people, which, you know, it, it fetishizes having sex with a family member or someone who's underage and unable to consent. Um, you know, it's not like when you think about it, like that's kind of messed up. Um, and, you know, porn is part of pop culture. It's, you know, it's very popular. It's influential. It, you know, it can be a good resource for people who want to spice up their sex lives, but it can also be really harmful. Um, sorry, I have some points written down. I just want to make sure I'm hitting all of them. Um, okay, so another reason as to why it can be using se uh, porn as a means of sex education can be problematic is because it gives young minds um, not the best example of what they can expect from sex in the real world. And I feel like it can get some people into really uncomfortable and potentially dangerous situations. So if you're new to the whole world of sex, you're young, if you're a teenager, you don't really have any experience, um, you're watching porn, you see a lot of like gangbang or like, it's a little awkward, I don't know, um, like male dominating or verbal domination kind of more kinky stuff which again i i i'm not kink shaming i'm, I'm just saying that these aren't necessarily things that all people enjoy in sex and some people may and that's great as long as there's consent and the conversation is had and you're old enough to understand and all that kind of stuff um but, you know, it, it can get you into dangerous situations because if that's your expectation, if I'm I'm a boy, I identify as a man. So if, say, I'm like a 16-year-old guy, I'm dating some girl, I want to have sex with her, it's our first time, you know, and I just, like, start going at it, like, as if I see, as if, I, as if I've seen in a porn, uh, pornographic video, just, like, choking and slapping and maybe doing other more dominant things the the girl might be terrified and scared and that you know could result in a sexual assault um you it's really important to obtain consent to talk about you know what you like sexually what turns you on with the other person you know and kind of come up to a mutual understanding and agreement of what you want to achieve from this um and like I said, it's completely fine if people like that kind of sex and that they want to do that. But the issue comes from when there's no discussion and consent associated with these acts. Sex education, you know, it's not really done all that well in schools either. Um, you know, we typically see the education system focusing more so on, you know, contraceptives, preventing... Um, unwanted pregnancies, STDs, you know, which is great. And that's definitely an essential part of sex education. But in my experience, there's not enough talk about consent, coercion, rape culture, sexual violence, queer sex, trans bodies, the idea of different people may like, you know, the, sorry, the idea that that different people may like different things. Um, the fact that people achieve orgasms differently, or maybe they don't at all. Maybe, you know, some people don't like being naked some people don't like this or that or whatever there needs to be more um a more widespread education about sex focusing on consent coercion 
sexual violence and you know having people understand that these are real issues that these happen to people every this this happens to people every single day and why it shouldn't happen you know like we need that i think education is one of the first steps to preventing excuse me to preventing sexual violence and to ending it um i guess some ways to try and fight towards the end of sexual violence um you know there's lots i think like i said it does start with education i think that's like the foundation the most important thing that we really need to start educating people i think i i think ideally of high school age to really kind of instill these ideas in their heads and you know kind of be more open-minded and more kind to people who are victims and all that kind of stuff you know um when it comes to like roles in sexual violence and prevention and all that kind of stuff you know it's it it really is everyone's role it is everyone's role to be a bystander to prevent sexual violence being a bystander is hard um it's it takes a lot of courage and a lot of people don't do it because you know they're just assuming that somebody else will do it if they're standing in a group or um you know there's psychological factors that come into play where you know what if i get hurt what if i'm not strong enough what if i look stupid what if they're not hurt what if they're not they don't need intervention that kind of stuff you know like i think that if you can sense that somebody's in a dangerous situation and it's safe to do so you should intervene in some capacity maybe that's calling the police maybe that's getting somebody else maybe that's kind of distracting the vic- uh, the perpetrator or the victim or do- whatever you have to do to you know, make sure it, it doesn't get to where it may be going. Um, you know, everyone, like, everyone's actions really do matter. Um, and that's, I think, a important um, part of preventing sexual violence is getting men involved in the conversation. Uh, we talk about this a lot in the bystander course, actually, and I really, I do recommend anyone take the bystander um, initiative program, a workshop, um, a course. I think they're they're going to be offered virtually for the year, but they're really, really beneficial to anyone, um, no matter what your status is. You know, um, anyone. I, I promise you, you will get something out of this, um, out of these workshops. But um, in, including men in the conversation is essential. Um, I think we we need more male allies, more male identified. Um, feminists more pe- people who want to spread positivity um and end this shitty like rape culture that we we live in um J- jackson katz does a lot of work um he's a i think he has a phd in something but he does a lot of sexual violence advocacy and a lot of research and uh, he's also made documentaries about uh sexual violence and um bystander intervention and why it's important for men to be a part of the conversation um i believe he has some publications out there as well um all about sexual violence and prevention he's he's really great he's a great um resource for people and i think that a lot of people can uh relate to his style of educating so i think he's definitely worth a a google Uh, you can definitely find a lot of stuff about him but he kind of focuses his advocacy and his education on um, educating young men, specifically like male athletes and people who like ma- men who are of higher social status, because that's kind of who you look up to. Like, you know, a lot of like a lot of guys 
look up to athletes and that's a really good way of looking at it because at the end end of the day we live in a patriarchy i don't like that we do but we do um and if we're gonna make any change we need to rely on male allies to make a difference and you know male athletes are a really great resource to use to spread this um the whole idea is that because people look up to these people It'll incite some kind of, um, you know, want to be doing the things that they're doing. And if these people are, you know, doing sexual uh, violence advocacy and work and that kind of stuff to help prevent and talk about the issues, then more people are probably going to jump onto that because it gets the word out there. It becomes more widespread. So I really, it is really important for men to be a part of the conversation. And, you know, we don't all have access to attending one of his talks or I think you may have to pay for some of his videos but like I said do a quick google search but it also comes down to calling your friends out um that's this is something that's kind of hard for me um as well I'm getting a lot better at it but it, you know it's kind of it's awkward when you hear somebody making a comment that's offensive that you know it's that strengthens rape culture you know subscribing to rape myths and all that kind of stuff it is awkward and you know oftentimes maybe they I, in my experience, like I surround myself with some really good people who really don't talk like this. But if I have ever experienced that, I I like to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I, you know, I'm assuming they don't mean it in the way that it can come across, and it does come across. Um, so it can be kind of uh, like a little taboo, weird, awkward situation when you do call someone out. But you know, the more you do it, the easier it gets, and it is really important to call people out. It's you know, same as when someone uses the R word, which I really hate, and it just just like choose a better word like it's just it doesn't it doesn't impact the person who's using this language to change the way they use it but it really impacts the people who receive you know that are on the receiving end of that language it can really really impact people horribly and it you know creates so many issues so you know getting comfortable with being honest being open having the conversation calling your friends out and, you know, if they react poorly, I guess that's just an indication of maybe them not being a great person and you may want to question who you associate yourself with. And I guess that's a good way of weaning out friends because nobody really needs just friends that are there for, I don't know, do you, like, do you want to have friends who are toxic, who talk bad about people who, like, st strengthen rape culture and rape myths and, you know take this these things lightly probably not i i don't so like if i had a friend who was like that and they were unwilling to like be receptive to change and learning and educating and you know changing the way they are then goodbye i'm sorry i can't i can't have you in my life you know i i love lots of people i have love for old friends new friends friends that i may not have talked to in years people that i'm no longer no are no longer in my life but you know you have to make decisions that align with your values and for me that's a big value um so you know i'm making it my mission and my goal to try and speak out more t against this because it's it the more you do it the better it is and the more normal it becomes and all that i feel like i'm rambling at this point but i really wanted to get that across to everyone so i think i'm gonna end the episode here i wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening um you know this was a a heavy a heavy topic like I mentioned um, 
kind of difficult for me to talk about just because of the nature of the subject. But, you know, if, if I sound a little uncomfortable or just different than I usually do on my episodes, sorry for that. I did kind of, I had a bit of a script going, like I mentioned, uh, which I usually don't because I like it to kind of flow organically and be more conversational. But I did want to hit some important topics and... If there was anything said um, that maybe came out wrong, I really, really, really want to emphasize it. Like, I, I apologize for that. I don't mean that. And, you know, if if there is an opportunity to correct me, I, I really invite that um, because I'm still learning. I'm no expert. I am just, you know, someone who does enjoy learning about sexual violence and advocacy um, and how to prevent it. So I'm no expert by any means. And, you know, do your own research. Definitely. I hope I hope this, you know, incites some change. I hope this opens your mind. I'm definitely open to conversation. Reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is Rummy Like Mommy, R-A-M-E-L-I-K-E, Mommy. Uh, uh, Instagram is It's Confidential Podcast. And yeah, um, I will see you in another episode. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.